1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Leanne and I will be your operator today. Welcome to Knight Therapeutics, Inc., 2021 third quarter financial results conference call. Before turning the call over to Samira Sakir, President and CEO of Knight, listeners are reminded that portions of today's discussion may, by their nature, necessarily involve risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those contemplated by the forward-looking statements. The company considers the assumptions on which these forward-looking statements are based to be reasonable at the time they were prepared, but cautious that these assumptions regarding the future events, may of which are beyond the control of the company and its subsidiaries, may ultimately prove to be incorrect. The company disclaims any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether a result of new information or future events, except as required by law. We would also like to remind you that questions during today's call will be taken from analysts only. Should there be any further questions, please contact Knight's Investor Relations Department via email to info at knighttx.com or via phone at 514-678-8930. Again, 514-678-8930. I would like to remind everyone that this call is being recorded today, November 11th, 2021 and would now like to turn the meeting over to your host today, Samira Sakia. Please go ahead, Ms. Sakia.
0: Thank you, Leanne. Good morning everyone, and welcome to Night Therapeutics' third quarter 2021 conference call. I'm joined today on today's call with Amal Khoury, our Chief Business Officer, Arvind Uchina, our Chief Financial Officer, and Jeff Martins, our Global VP of Commercial. I will now walk you through some of our corporate updates. I'm excited to announce that for the second consecutive quarter, Knight achieved record quarterly results despite the ongoing challenges posed by the pandemic. In fact, similar to last quarter, it is due to the pandemic that we have seen an increase in in sales of our infectious disease products that were used extensively by physicians to save lives. In addition to the great results, we also had some significant changes to our management team last quarter not just myself and Jonathan, but more importantly, the addition of 3 seasoned executives. Monica Percario joined Knight in September as Global VP of Scientific Affairs with nearly 30 years of experience in the pharmaceutical industry. Monica joins us after a successful career at Sanofi in Brazil, where she had been working since 2008, most recently as Head of Regulatory and Center of Expertise for LATAMP. At Sanofi, she also participated in the integration of Aventus with Medley, a Brazilian-branded generic pharmaceutical company, and developed a strong expertise in the generics market as well as mature products. Further, she implemented the regional regulatory functions with teams across Latin America. Prior to Sanofi, Monica worked in various regulatory roles at Pharmasa, now a part of Hipera Pharma. During her time there, she created the pharmacovigilance department and participated in clinical research studies in the development of biologic products. Daniela Moreno joined us as Global VP of Legal and Compliance with over 20 years of experience in the legal field and the pharma industry. Daniela was previously at Bausch Health, formerly Valiant, in Brazil where she had been working since 2013 most recently as Head of Legal and Compliance for Latin America. At BAUS, she was responsible for all activities carried out by the Legal and Compliance Department in Latin America, including supporting the various business units throughout LATAM, as well as providing transaction support to both legal and corporate teams. In addition, she was responsible for managing all activities related to the legal department and the compliance area. Prior to Bosch, Danielle was at a specialty law firm in Sao Paulo, where she advised clients on mergers and acquisitions, corporate reorganizations, and deal negotiation. Finally, Susan Emblem joined Knight as Global VP of Human Resources. Susan worked for over 20 years at Paladin Labs, where she held a number of leadership roles, including Vice President of HR and Corporate Communications. In fact, Susan played a key role in the integration of Paladin into Endo. Monica and Daniela are based in Sao Paulo and Susan is based in Montreal. We also continued uh, to execute on expanding our portfolio through our business development activities and we closed a distribution agreement with Insight for two innovative products. Turning now to the NTIB. We launched a 2021 NCIB on July 14, 2021, and under this NCIB, we can purchase, for cancellation, up to 10.2 million shares. During the quarter, we purchased approximately 3, 3 million common shares for an aggregate cash consideration of $15.3 million, at an average share price of $5.18 per share. Subsequent to the quarter, Knight has purchased an additional 1 million common shares for an aggregate cash consideration of $5.3 million, or 5.21 per share. I will now turn the call over to Jeff to provide more details on our product results.
2: Thank you, Samara. Building on our hard work of 2020, our efforts in 2021 remain focused on executional excellence of our new product launches. Overall, our revenues on a constant currency basis increased by $27.4 million or 62% during the quarter versus Q3 last year. The growth in revenues is driven by an incremental demand estimated to be between $9.2 and $11.5 million, primarily due to our infectious disease products that treat invasive fungal infections associated with COVID-19. Of this amount, we estimate that approximately $3.2 million to $4.2 million was not utilized during the nine-month period. In addition, we had an increase of $6 million in net revenues related to the growth of our recently launched products and $9.9 million from the addition of Exelon. Overall, the remainder of the year will remain focused on the execution and acceleration of our launches in our infectious disease portfolio and in our oncology portfolio, as well as for the commercial efforts behind Exelon. With vaccination rates improving in many of our territories, we have started to cautiously return to field. I will now turn the call over to Arvind to go over financial results.
3: Thank you, Jeff. In the course of this conference call, I will refer to EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA, as well as constant currency, which are non-IFRS measures. Knight defined EBITDA as operating loss or income excluding amortization and impairment of intangible assets, depreciation, purchase price accounting adjustment, and the impact of accounting under hyperinflation, but to include costs related to leases. Adjusted EBITDA excludes acquisition costs and non-recurring expenses. In addition, constant currency is also a non-GAAP measure used to exclude foreign currency fluctuations. Financial results at constant currency are obtained by translating the prior period results at the average foreign exchange rates in effect during the current period, except for Argentina, where we only exclude the impact of hyperinflation. As Jeff already mentioned, we achieved record revenues of $73.3 million, an increase of $27.4 million, or 62% on a constant currency basis, partially due to increased demand for our infectious diseases portfolio as a result of the pandemic. As for gross margin, we reported $37.8 million, or 51% of revenues, compared to $19.5 million, or 43% of revenues in the same period last year. The increase is mainly due to higher revenues, lower inventory provision, and a change in product mix, partially offset by the renegotiation of certain license agreements and the depreciation of the LATAM currencies. Excluding the impact of hyperinflation, the growth margin would be 54% for the quarter. Our total operating expenses of $22.5 million for the third quarter increased by $1 million compared to the same period last year. Excluding the non-recurring costs, such as the unified tender costs incurred in the third quarter of 2020, the increase was $5 million. The increase is mainly due to an increase in variable costs such as logistic expenses, variable compensation, and an increase in medical and marketing initiatives on the new product launches, as well as Exelon. Moving on to EBITDA. The EBITDA for the quarter was $17.3 million compared to a negative EBITDA of $700,000 on a constant currency basis in the third quarter of last year. I just EBITDA was $17.3 million for the quarter compared to an adjusted EBITDA of $3.7 million on a constant currency basis in the same period last year. The increase of $13.6 million, or 369%, was mainly driven by the previously mentioned increase in gross margin, partially offset by the higher operating expenses. Now moving on to certain items that are not reflected in our adjusted EBITDA. During the quarter, we recorded $21.3 million of net loss on financial assets measured at fair value through profit or loss, which is mainly coming from our strategic fund investments. The unrealized loss in the quarter was mainly driven by a singular genomic system, a public company held by domain, which share price significantly decreased during the quarter. On a live-to-date basis, Knight has recorded an unrealized gain of $12.9 million on SGS. Furthermore, the NEMO2 Investment Fund, managed by Sectoral was liquidated in the third quarter of 2021, following the sale of the shares of Atea Pharmaceutical Inc. We have realized a live-to-date net gain of approximately $9.6 million in connection with Atea. Despite the unrealized loss on financial assets recorded in the third quarter of 2021, we have recorded a net gain on financial assets of $16.6 million for the nine-month period ended September 30, 2021. The net gain was driven by unrealized as well as realized gains on our strategic fund investments. Finally, Knight generated cash inflow from operations of ten point three million million for the fourth third quarter of 2021, and $40 million for the nine-month period ended September 30th, 2021. The cash flow from operations generated is driven by our operating results. I will now turn the call over to Amal to provide an update on business development activities.
4: Thank you, Arvind. As Samira previously mentioned, during the quarter, we entered into an exclusive supply and distribution agreement with Insight for Latin America for the rights to Tefacitamab, sold as Monjuvi in the US and Minjuvi in Europe, and Femigatinib marketed as Tamizir in the US, uh, Europe and Japan. Tefacitamab is approved in combination with lenalidomide in the US and Europe for the treatment of adult patients with relapsed or refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma who are not eligible for stem cell transplant. The LBCL is the most common type of non-Hodgkin lymphoma and there are approximately 12,000 to 16,000 new cases each year in Latin America. Femigatinib is approved in the US, Europe, and Japan for the treatment of adult patients with locally advanced or metastatic cholangiocarcinoma with a fibroblast growth factor receptor 2, or FGFR2, fusion or rearrangement that have progressed after at least one prior line of systemic therapy. Cholangiocarcinoma is the most common cancer of the bile duct, FGFR2 fusions or rearrangements have been observed in 10 to 16% of patients with intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, whereas the incidence in patients with extrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma is rare. There are approximately 4,000 to 6,000 new cases of intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma each year in Latin America. We expect to file both products for regulatory approval in key LATAM markets in the second half of 2022. In addition, our team has been actively working on onboarding Exelon, which we acquired in the second quarter of this year. We also continue to focus on leveraging our Pan American XUS footprint to build our portfolio along our three-pronged growth strategy, which includes acquiring products or companies with existing sales in licensing innovative pipeline assets and developing our branded generics portfolio. I will now turn the call back to Samira for concluding remarks.
0: Thank you, Amal. Looking forward, we remain committed to continuing and building a leading, leading Pan American XUS specialty pharma company. We have over $155 million in cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities to continue to execute on our strategy to in-license and acquire innovative pharmaceuticals, as well as developing our branded generic portfolio. Thank you for your support and confidence in the NITE team. This concludes our formal remarks. I would now like to turn the call over to questions. Over to you, Leanne.
1: Thank you. Before we begin, may I please remind you, ladies and gentlemen, questions during today's call will be taken from analysts only. Should there be any further questions, please contact Knight's Investor Relations Department via email to info at or via phone at 514-678-8930. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the digit 1 on your telephone keypad. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any key. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star 2. And we will take our first question from David Martin with Bloom Burton. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
5: Uh, good morning, Samira and uh, everyone else. Uh, first question is: uh, Can you explain what's meant by 3.2 to 4.2 million not utilized during not, the nine months? Is that um, excess stock that was built up in the channel inventory?
0: That's that's pretty much it. So one of the issues. Um, there was quite a pandemic crisis in some of these major countries, especially Brazil and to a certain extent in Mexico. Um, and what we were tracking was not just, we were, everybody was trying to make sure that inventory was available. And what we saw kind of closer to the end of the quarter, um, to the best that we could, is that there is probably somewhere between three to four million of inventory. Um, That didn't end up being utilized because the cases started to come down and hospitalization started to come down a bit.
5: And was that mostly infectious disease products? That's it. Yes. Okay. Um, So another question on the infectious disease products. The the revenues are holding up uh, very well despite the fact that uh, case counts as you said were down people are getting vaccinated uh, y- you've got two things going on here um the launch of new products and covid coming out of covid do you anticipate that franchise will be at a substantially higher level than it was pre covid even once covid goes away um because of the launch of the new products and uh you know maybe a better Uh, familiarity with your products and gaining market share?
0: So it's a little bit multifactorial. So there's two real products in this category. One is Ambosome and the second is Crisemba. Ambosome is a well-established brand and it took, it's used for different kinds of fungal infections that come after multiple types of, utilization, so whether it's bone marrow transplant, whether it's oncology patients that are immunocompromised that may develop a fungal infection. The second one is Kusamba, which is an early launch phase. During COVID, a lot of the surgeries and treatments that would normally happen, that would drive utilization of ambisome didn't happen. And Kusamba was being launched in during COVID. So both of those brands, stumbled a little bit because of COVID. The last few months we've been seeing a lot of COVID utilization. What we do expect is that there is familiarity now. It's really, in the case of Ambisome, treatments to start going back up, whether it's oncology, bone marrow transplant, or whatever else it can be used for. And in the case of Crisemba, our commercial teams capitalizing on that experience and continuing to reinforce that message. Okay. Jeff, I don't know if you want to add something else. Uh, well,
2: maybe the only thing I would add is uh, the, because of the inventory build, you can expect maybe a softening in Q4 because of, of um, that excess inventory you asked about earlier. Um, and other than that, yes, uh, there's been some positive experience, with, especially with Crescemba and the new launch, so we, we, uh, we have a plan to action.
5: So sorry. Is it casemba only that is used in COVID patients, or
0: ambisome as well? Both.
5: Both. Okay. It,
0: and it, 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 the, so just kind of they're they're both um, they're both for the treatment of invasive fungal infections. Uh, one has a little bit of a broader indication, but the it really depends on what fungal infection has been diagnosed, and in the case of Ambosome, if they don't have time to figure it out, they're able to use Ambosome.
5: Okay. And uh, do you see sales at the end-user level? Uh, Like, the the infection rates have dropped off substantially in Brazil. Uh, Are you not only seeing drawdown of inventory, but less use of uh, the products, or is, is their rate of
0: use holding up? So we the the use in relation to covid is coming yeah. down obviously. The yeah. issue is the issue is that that's not what they were designed for. They were designed for fungal infections that could come for whatever reason, right? So yeah. a patient who's immunocompromised, the issue with that is that kind of utilization rate, we expect to pick up as those treatments start to re-happen. What you usually see is a few months of gap between the treatment
1: and the need for a fungal infection product.
5: Okay, okay, thank you.
1: Thank you. We take our next question from David Novak with Raymond James. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
6: Hi. Good morning, folks. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, just two quick ones, uh, starting on the top line here. Uh, looking at revenues by jurisdiction, you know, you showed really healthy growth across your key geographies, but Brazil really sticks out here at almost 95% growth year over year. Could you share any comments on the uniqueness of that particular market?
0: Um, sure. So one of the issues, and you, we is really related to COVID. Um, one of the bigger products in the Brazilian market is Ambisome, and like I mentioned earlier, uh, Ambosome took a big hit last year because it was being utilized for patients who were being treated for in oncology in hematology, whatever the case may be, and because those treatments weren't happening, sales of Ambosome had come down. In this quarter, what you're seeing, and Crisemba was in very early launch phase. What you see in this quarter on a year-over-year basis is both of those products are being used, were used heavily uh, by physicians because COVID infections were so high, hospitalizations were high, and Fungal infections with that with patients in ICUs happened. Um, as Jeff said, what we expect is that Q4 will be there will be softness on this, but we expect that as the world and especially Brazil returns to normal, these brands will start to pick back up in in the long term.
6: Got it. so, so is, is the majority of inventory for cresemba and Ambizome that's moving through the channel? It's being utilized in Brazil versus your other sort of key jurisdictions? Is that sort of what Um, I'm understanding here?
0: We have Ambizome primarily in um, Brazil. We have Cursemba throughout our region. Um, And so that one is kind of a little bit all over the place.
6: Okay, so maybe more specifically of the you know, 15, million, $16 million growth that we saw in the quarter in Brazil, could you sort of paint a relative picture as to what that would be from Cresemba
1: or Ambulizum? Um yeah,
0: I don't have it at the top of my head, but there is also Exelon that's in Brazil. Um, I can get that to you later. Okay,
6: no worries. And, and just lastly, I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, but based on you know what you're seeing on the demand side and, and your own projections, the, the inventory that's currently sitting in the channel um, for Cresenda and AmbiZone, um, is that likely to destock in Q4? I, I guess what would be helpful here is to understand the probability sure. of any potential inventory write-downs or, or anything like that going forward.
0: Sure, so we don't expect a return of this inventory. We do expect all of it to be utilized in the queue. Uh, what we also expect in the queue, because this is Q4 and there's usually a bit of seasonality of high purchases in advance of the holiday season, some of that will be, like, some of that kind of downturn of this 3.2 will be offset by the seasonality. Um, we don't expect any write downs or returns.
6: Excellent. Great. Thank you so much. I will hop back in the queue.
1: Thank you. We take our next question from Justin Keywood with Stifle GMP. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
7: Hi. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, just on the impact of the infectious disease products uh, related to COVID, are you able to quantify what that did to uh, the adjusted EBITDA in the quarter?
0: Um, so, like, you see what our margins are, right? So that would have been dropping to the the. It's kind of the similar rate as the margin.
7: Uh, sorry, the consolidated EBITDA margin or the gross margin?
0: The gross margin.
7: Okay, all right, that's helpful. And then, as we look into uh, Q4, should we uh, like just to get an idea of the you know, softness for those uh, two infectious disease products. Should we assume basically uh, zero contribution, uh, just given the extra inventory in the channel, or, or do you still anticipate some, you know, seasonal purchasing uh, ahead of the of the holiday season?
0: We do. We do expect. Um, so this isn't this isn't a quarter's worth of inventory. I'm going to say this is normally somewhere between. Six to ten weeks of inventory that's here the the three to four million the and then the second so that that's kind of the estimate of what we have. The rest of it is that there will be a little bit of pickup because of the holiday season.
7: okay, understood, so a few moving parts here. I'm wondering, just as we look into next year, uh you know obviously. Uh, There's uh, some new drug launches and and some variability with the infectious disease products. But do you have any broad target goals uh, for organic growth in the business?
0: Uh, We're working on that right now. As As we come out of COVID, a lot of the teams are kind of working through what the uptakes would be. And we'll be providing guidance when we announce Q4.
7: Okay, thanks. Those are my questions. Good to see the operating leverage in the business.
1: Thank you. We take our next question from Stephen Quay with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead, your line is open. Hi guys, Uh,
8: good morning. Thank you for taking my questions. Uh, I'm just calling in for Endry. Uh, and I know, I know you guys touched upon the infectious disease products uh, quite a bit already. Um, but outside of that, uh, looking at uh, oncology, hematology, and the other products, now with uh, reopenings and, and things coming back to a little bit of normalized levels in LATAM, how are you seeing uh, those other products uh,
2: trending?
0: I'm going to turn that over to Jeff. Uh,
2: yeah, thanks for the question, Stephen. So our uh, oncology products, in both oncology and heme, um, had a uh, year-over-year growth of 20% on the queue. So uh, these launches is, or these drugs include Vema Halifin, Neurolinks, and some of our heme, onc, uh, uh, branded generics medicines as well. Um, so COVID did uh, negatively impact some of the diagnosis rates. Um, and I'd have to say that this impact probably varies widely depending on the country, the vaccination rate, Situation that they were in, Um, but overall, I I, I'm I think encouraged that we showed this 20% growth even during a pandemic. Okay,
1: great. And just to add,
0: just to add, just kind of to answer a bit more your question, what we are seeing is that if you take, for example, a market like Canada where we have significant vaccinations, the the pace of return. Is there, but it's still pretty slow, and we're, we're we expect that that's going to continue into the the pace will be a slow uptake into the first half of the year. You have to remember markets like Brazil, Argentina, Chile—they are going into their summer months and summer vacations, so it, there will there is a return, but it's slow and paced. Got it. That's that's great. Uh, and my um, next one
8: here. Um, Just uh, how have you seen the uh, new product launches pick up that that you've done uh, recently? And and do you have any more significant launches uh, coming up in the near future? Sure,
0: Uh, I'm gonna turn, uh, I'm gonna answer a little bit and then I'll ask Jeff to add to it. So the launches that we have coming up uh, in the first half of next year are uh, Lenvima and Halavan in Colombia. Those products are pending approval right now. Um, we, ha- we are in launch phase on those two products in a couple of other markets, including like Chile and Argentina. Um, and in Canada, we have the launch of TrailStar and Narlinks The issue that we have is we don't disclose revenue by product and in the case of the LATAM markets, the third party like I- IMS or IQVIA data is not as readily available um, but we do have some info on the Canadian products.
2: Yeah, maybe the only thing I'd add is, yeah, I think we already mentioned that 6 million on the queue was related to these launches. Um, and in um, those those drugs, yeah, so Neuralinks, Crisemba, Lenvima, Halivan, uh, Trellstar, and there's also some uh, BGX launches in there as well. And maybe the only other pending launches that, that I want to comment on was in Vexie and Bejew in Canada. We're, we're currently evaluating the CADIF situation, and uh, we'll evaluate uh, launch for those medicines uh, hopefully uh, in next year.
8: Okay, perfect. That's great color. And uh, just my last one here. Um, I know you mentioned in the past that uh, um, agreements are are renewed throughout the year. Um, do you have any other ones coming up uh, soon that are worth highlighting?
4: Hi Stephen this is this is Amal. Um, yeah I mean agreements renewals are, are normal course uh, for, for, for this business. Um, you, you may have seen or you, you, you will see that we um, we disclose that we signed uh, a new agreement with BMS Celgene in the quarter so this is a this has been a long-standing relationship that we have had and this was a
1: renewal that we signed in the quarter for Abraxane and Videsa in uh, Brazil.
8: Okay, perfect. That's all my questions. Thanks.
1: Thank you. And we take our next question from Scott McCauley with Paradigm Capital. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
9: Good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for taking the question. Um, I wanted to switch a little over to, to Exelon um, and just wanted to ask if there's been progress on changing the Exelon kind of registration transfers, um, kind of from Novartis to Knight. Um, and how much you know, of the Exelon revenues at the moment are kind of the profit transfers versus you know, revenue and, and sales from the products um, kind of fully from, from you guys.
4: Hi, Scott. This is Amal. Uh, thank you for the question. Um, for Exelon, we're still working um, on executing the, the transfers. Uh, with Novartis, we have started to file. Uh, for MA transfers, but uh, we we haven't had any MA transfer already. We expect the first to, to occur in the first half uh, of 2022. So, so far, uh, the numbers that you're seeing are really the profit transfer that we're booking.
9: Got it. That's, that's great. And then just uh, one last one. In terms of, you know, on the on the ground, um, you know, physicians' offices and, and marketing um, conferences and things like that how how are things opening up um in the various kind of latam countries um you're obviously getting growth in some of those launch products um, but just a bit of color in terms of kind of how things are working on the ground
0: sure it it really depends on the country and their vaccination rate so things are picking up um there are give you an example for example in canada uh, depending on the therapeutic area, some physicians continue to see patients uh, through telemedicine, and they're seeing their reps telemedicine as telemedicine as well. In markets like Chile and Brazil, things are opening up, um, and phys- most physicians are starting to see patients. Markets like Colombia, it's somewhere in the middle right now.
9: Got it. No, that's great. Uh, Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. And we take our next question from Doug Miem with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
7: Good morning. Um, I think both of these questions would be mostly for Amal, but um, Amal, when I look at the revenues associated with uh, Exelon, they were a bit stronger than we'd anticipated. Is there any seasonality to that product, or anything that uh, occurred with Exelon during the quarter that uh, helped out the uh, revenues or profit share?
4: Sure, it's it's not so much seasonality, um, more more like buying patterns, um, because it's not all kind of um, uh, retail. There are some 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 institutional buying that happened. Um, so so that's why you see the numbers. I think overall, we haven't changed really our view of the, of the product, so we're still expecting uh, the product to to remain flattish to to, to the levels that we uh, that we had, that we acquired at. so it's kind of in the mid fifty million range on an annual okay, basis.
7: Good. Perfect. And then um, just generally, as you look at uh, other opportunities. Um, in various markets that you're looking at right now. Can you tell us uh, what that pipeline looks like, if it's changed in in regard over the last quarter or two? Uh,
4: the pipeline continues to be quite, um, quite full. Um, the team is, is quite busy across. Um, if you look at our growth strategies, we've kind of outlined really three Um, uh, three prongs to to increase our product portfolio. So in terms of acquisitions, looking at uh, products or portfolios or companies with existing sales, um, in licensing of innovative assets and and on the BGX side development and and in licensing as well. So across all three, the team is quite active and deal flow continues to be quite strong uh, across the territory
7: okay great thanks very much
1: thank you and we take a follow-up question from david martin with bloom burton please go ahead your line is open Uh yeah, thanks for taking the
5: follow-up i i may have missed it but um when you signed the new agreement for braxane did you say your economics um got a little uh less than they were previously or or do things stay stay the same
4: uh, we didn't announce uh, the the terms and we didn't comment on the terms but um there is there is nothing materially uh, different okay um what percentage
5: of your latam revenues is represented by licensed products versus uh, products that you own
1: uh, actually i i I know that
0: our branded generics are were about a third of our business um, it's shifting with exelon that's the that's the issue, so I don't have the number it, it used to be about thirty seventy, but that's without exelon
5: okay okay um and then I just want to go back to uh Cresumba and, and BioZone uh, once more quickly um would you say the markets that they were previously used in? are bigger than the COVID market or is, is COVID a bigger market than where they were previously used or they're still used, but to a lesser extent?
1: The... Yeah,
2: um, yeah, maybe I'll hop in and answer this and, and, and answers, then I'll pass it back to you, Samara, if there's anything you'd like to add. So um, the, the COVID market is an in and out. It's a flash in the pan. Um, so it'll, you'll see big swings on a quarter. But the over uh, the the baseline business, which is fungal infections caused by all kinds of reasons, right, including bone marrow transplantation, hematology patients that are immune compromised, oncology patients that are are immune compromised. Um, That base business over uh, the long term is far more sustainable in, in, in large in size. I don't know if that helps answer the question. Samara, anything to add?
1: No, that's it.
5: Okay, okay, thank you.
1: Thank you. And as a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, please press star one to ask a question. And as it seems we have no further questions, I would like to turn the call back over to you, Ms. Sakia, for any additional or closing remarks. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Leanne. Thank you for joining our Q3 2021
1: conference call and for the confidence in the night team. We'll speak soon. And that will conclude today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.
8: When you make decisions for your company,
9: you look for the no-brainers.
8: And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.